quickly before I start today's episode guys we do have a sponsor if you guys want to sponsor an episode contact me at the bot talk on Twitter however let's hear from this week's sponsor So that was a promotional video for this week's sponsor. Inventory is an app which is perfect for tracking your stock, profits, sales and much more. I highly recommend you guys go check it out. It is available to download on the App Store right now. All you guys have to do is go down below into the description. Their socials and the download link will be below. Hey what's going on guys? Welcome back to a brand new episode of The Bot Talk. In today's episode we have Hassan from Mbot. It's going to be a great episode. Let's jump straight into it. The first question we ask all our guests on the show. How did you discover reselling? Back in late 20. 16 my brother who's actually a butter as well now he showed me supreme and i was like i like originally i thought supreme was like kind of ugly disgusting why did people wear this then he showed me some like resell of uh the previous box logos so actually i never actually ended up copying anything from fw16 but i um researched a bit more into let's say bots and stuff because originally i want i think i found a few bots that were working like a and b and stuff so um around um like i think it was um ss17 was the first season i actually tried to cop stuff i think i was able to i forgot why i copped actually but it wasn't much yeah, definitely. I feel like one of the big factors that comes out from reselling all these big brands is the amount of resale that comes with these items. Like, even if you don't like the designs, let's be honest, some of the Supreme designs that do release aren't for everyone. They're very specific design types. They're not exactly the best sometimes, but the resale's there. If there's money to be made, there's money to be made. That attracts literally 95% of people. A lot of people like to make money at this age. They like to create the funds. And like you said, this was a couple of years ago. Obviously, we're young making money creating all this income at a young age with no expenses is a very very nice thing to do moving into another thing you said that your bro is also a botter right now and you messed around with a and b back in the day how did you discover botting so um i think i was researching scripts and stuff so i was on youtube looking for a uh, the first what kind of sounds kind of stupid but um i actually stumbled across something called some like a I believe his name was uh the the developer's name was Grand Street Supreme, and he made sorry, it might, the bot might have been called that. I'm not sure. It might have been the same, and it was like a little Python script. I think it was like uh, five to ten dollars, and uh, I purchased it. I never actually ended up copying anything with it, but uh, a key factor from this purchase was I I think uh, one of the last weeks he updated it. He sent out a Discord link to um like a i think it was like a free cook group it didn't have monitors but i think that discord uh invite really put me um into the community itself uh i believe that 
uh, a group was called Kartjackers or Illumicati. It was one of these two groups. And then, uh, actually, a funny story is one of the owners was a scammer. He did a group buying a fake bot. But yeah, those two groups put me into the actual uh, Discord, sneaker Twitter community. Yeah, definitely. Literally, all it takes is that one invite, that one connection for you to get in here because... I, I, this resonates with me a little, and I know a lot of the viewers will agree to this. For a lot of people, what it is is you're on the outside and you're using these scripts, you're watching YouTube videos of these extensions and scripts. You're not really too much into bots because you haven't discovered it yet. And all it takes is that one connection to get you into the community. And once you're there, you begin learning, you begin absorbing all this information, you learn how everything works. Like you said, the first extension you bought didn't have too much success. And that is an important lesson that all these bots, all these scripts, don't have a lot of success you need to find the right one so if you like joining the community having that early experience created a good foundation for you to go ahead and excel in the community so we've talked about the fact that you got into boss we talked about that you enjoyed reselling because obviously there was money to be made but what was the factors as to why you wanted to continue buying and reselling definitely the uh, money aspect with botting i mean as there's a lot of money especially even as a developer if you sell your tools properly and uh to be honest, uh, I don't really like like botting anymore. But I actually wanted, I actually the stuff stuff started to grow on me, so I actually wanted bots to like get personals and stuff. And uh, uh, it was actually a great escape from uh, education at the time. I didn't really like education itself, like school specifically. So I mean, buying and selling items uh, was an, a nicer prospect for me. Yeah, I feel like a lot of people could resonate with that. Academia is one of those things that not everyone clicks with. I feel like depending on the type of person, you're going to excel at different things. If you put 50 people in a room, some people are going to enjoy the aspect of getting out loads of revision cards and going through proper revision for these exams and doing well in academia, whereas you have you can have someone right behind them that doesn't do well in academia, but their bank account is big they know how to create uh, streams of income they know how to monetize on a high scale which is what you fall into i feel like developing is definitely an income stream that is very large there is loads of money to be made and if you can monetize that which is what you're doing and plenty of people in the community are doing then you're winning you're in the perfect situation so i want to migrate into the next section of today's episode i'm going to talk about your coding background a little because for this episode you are the developer from mbot so we're going to jump into that how did you discover coding in general Essentially, when I was, I think it was 13 or 14, I believe um, in school there was some uh, like lunchtime school Python lessons and stuff. So I, I, I started doing a bit of Python then, but originally I didn't actually like it. I thought coding was boring. And then when it came to, uh, let's say, I believe it was late 2017, I grew friends with uh, the bot. Might say, the bot still exists now. It was Dot Bot, and it was the owner Fresh. And essentially, I made uh, some sort of like little supreme item finder with Python. I just wanted to test my skills. I was also testing out other stuff. So I think it was the start of twenty eighteen. Uh, I joined this like private paid group like one of my first paid groups, I think it's called Pirates. I was offered like a position there to teach coding and then not have to pay. Like we would do it, I'd do a one hour lesson 
and not have to pay for the actual group, which was seemed fine to me. There was also, I think, the Off-White AJ1 um, EU dropped on Off-White's website, and that was like the first time I uh, discovered the Off-White website, which was Webbot's original website that it supported. And I was doing like a lot of research around that website itself. So I was looking at like little exploits to cart early and stuff and see if I could pull stock. Yeah, I feel like in this community specifically, a lot of it starts with testing. You want to test different things. People get curious. And a good amount of the people in this community are very good at coding. It's a very, very code heavy community. Obviously, not a lot of people are interested in it. Me personally, I've tried to get into it. It doesn't click with me. I've tried to get into it. It's something where like you have to be generally interested in expanding your library and expanding your knowledge in it. But I feel like testing these sites, for example, like you said, you went from Supreme to Off-White. The best way to discover coding and just overall get interest in it. However, what were some of the first languages you learned? Okay, yeah. So as I discussed, it was obviously Python. But then with Off-White, I think I made a simple monitor in Node, uh, Node.js. Uh, and then I, from then on, most of my stuff was in Node.js for... Uh, like for like a year and then i recently like in the past year i've moved on to go which is like compiled so essentially it's faster than node and python and then i've also been experimenting with a uh, rust but for anyone that wants to start i i would say that python or node are great to uh, begin and experiment with because like they're very easy to use for anybody uh it's like easy to pick up yeah, definitely. When linking back to the education part of this episode, just for a second, when high schools and schools within the UK for the most part, I'm not too sure about the US, when they were doing a push towards coding and the BBC was getting involved, one of the first languages that was properly taught was Python in classrooms. Like me personally, I had to go through for computer science GCSE, which is a qualification you can get in the UK for any US viewers. You had to go through extensive course of Python because Python is seen as a language where it's very, very easy to pick up. Like it's a very good starter language to go out and branch from. And I feel like that's with anything, with any type of community or industry, you always have the basis and you build upon that. And that is what Python acts as in the pro game community. However, what were some of the first programs you ever made? So yeah, so I talked about my Supreme Item Finder. Uh, I went on to make some other stuff like, um, I think it was, I was, I looked at reverse engineering apps too, because people were, I was wondering how people make bots. So there's a process called reverse engineering where you take apart, you delve inside what something does. So with websites, you'd look at their network requests, so which is how they interact with browsers and stuff. There would also be, uh, so with that, I actually ended up, we it's like a term called sniffing network requests for an app called, uh, for Adidas, the Adidas app. So I made a, simple account creator with Adidas. I was also um, looking at uh, the Off-White website. So I made a simple Off-White monitor. And then my first uh, pro- program like that was, that I was actually quite proud of was my Off-White monitor. Uh, I took uh, or, sorry, not my Off-White monitor, my Off-White bot or my, um, there was a, there's a site called 24 Severs and I don't know if you remember the original Supreme Remote Drop, the red and black ones. I made a simple bot for that. But unfortunately, uh, the website crashed and I didn't account for that in my code, uh, which is 
which sucked, but they had some restocks where like I loaded the code onto my phone at the time because it was like Node.js and you can run that on an Android phone. For, so I was actually able to cop a Supreme Remora during school with my bot, which was I was actually quite happy about because the resell on that was like, I think it was over 100% uh, profit on the item itself. So I was quite chuffed to, to with that program. Yeah, definitely. One thing that I do resonate with, with copying Supreme in school, that is something I had to do. Like I'm in the first year of college within the UK. So I have a lot more leniency now, but back when I was in high school, secondary school, if you want to call it, there is a lot of uncertainty when it comes to copying Supreme in school. So when you hit, it's like a huge dopamine hit because you're like, is this going to work? I can't really mark this correctly. I'm in school. I shouldn't be doing this. And it goes along that. But relating back to the coding aspect, yeah, definitely. I feel like a lot of developers who create their first programs do go through that process of not accounting for certain things and that goes ahead and builds on their knowledge and that makes their future programs better which we can see you're the developer at mbot that plays in very nicely to what i do want to talk about before you got all the big big roles within the community and you actually know how did you go about establishing yourself as a programmer within the botting community so obviously with this stuff you need some sort of clout so originally i'd actually reversed ways to find products early on off-white so i on my twitter i started leaking like off-white early images i believe and then you know connor from uh connor from express notify uh originally that didn't really exist it was a small group connor dm me and then he kept on asking me days and days on how i did this uh i i eventually i uh, told him and then i uh joined express uh because it was like a trade and then uh from there we talked a lot about off white and i um essentially i uh over time i helped and um, with um some stuff with off white and then i did a bit more leaking of, of product images and stuff like that and uh i actually my my first uh monitor like sorry my first developer job in the sneaker community was temporarily but it was at express being a monitor dev so actually that really put me on the map i believe there was also me uh working on little other scripts which I showed. I don't remember exactly which ones I did, but I did show a few of the scripts. And then there was also uh, me, and then sometime after, I'm not sure, but it was some uh, longer, I ended up working at AM, which also, uh, AM Notify, uh, which also helped with my presence uh, around the sneaker community. Yeah, I feel like a lot of people in the community right now that are reputable went to bots and groups and gained clout or reputability, whatever word you want to use, to go ahead and build upon it. Like, I did that with Adept. I started off with Adept. I went through that. I know a lot of people that are watching this video did go ahead and do that because once you work for one group, it feels like your first employer who takes confidence and like takes a chance with you, you work with them for a couple of months and then when you are taking a second job, your second employer says, okay, you've worked for this group, they're that confident in your abilities that they hired you and, and then it helps you propel yourself in the community and go through all these different bots and groups. And that's kind of how it's always been. However, we've talked about Express and AM Notify. What were some of the other brands you worked for when you first started? Uh, there's actually not that many, but there's obvious. There was. I think I did some work for Dotbot, like 
they had a Chrome extension that used to do really, really well. And then Supreme kind of clipped all Chrome extensions. Uh, they might be back now because they changed the antibot. And I've also, not many people know this, but I also worked on Hawk. Uh, uh, I have... We basically, uh, I basically provided um, some sort of way to distribute Akamai cookies, like cookies to defeat the antibot uh, during uh, the mesh restocks that happen usually on Tuesday and Wednesday. Yeah, definitely maneuvering your way around different companies and just overall gaining a reputation in the community is the best way to go ahead and land you big roles like mbot and different bots within the community so jumping into when you did get recruited mbot how were you first contacted to work for the company it wasn't actually i wasn't actually contacted it was like during express when i was because uh i didn't actually always be invited ever at express i was a quite known in express obviously because i was i was like an og member but i uh me myself and connor used to um Bot off white. So uh, I we I discovered um, MB, the uh, owner of MBot. Uh, he also had a bot. Uh, we used to talk a lot, and eventually we became friends. Uh, we talked about like low key cooks and stuff. So MBot was actually created by MB, but as a private bot that I had access to. So. Uh, because I had access, I'd obviously want to offer something in return. So I'd offer advice on um, monitoring and uh, botting off-white because it was originally an off-white bot. And yes, I always just stayed in touch with MB. It wasn't really an official introduction. Like MB didn't message me like, do you want to work on MBot? It was me more that I uh, DM'd MB. We became friends a bit and uh, yeah. I got access to the bot, and actually, we made a little private FNF group. I don't. I think FNF groups are. Uh, I don't like them personally because uh, they eventually become paid. But we became. We made one for the lols, uh, and then we um actually started botting. Uh, put in inverted comma low key cooks. So there was one drop. Uh, the Arshim Ramoa. We um. Uh, work together on um like making a monitor for that website and uh we actually i think that item actually sold for like 200 percent profit and uh, yeah it was actually a quite a good cook so yeah we we've been friends for some time and uh, we've uh, worked on some cooks together yeah definitely i feel like the element within business if you can take a friendship and handle business and merge them two together it is a very complicated thing to do but from the sounds of it you're doing it very well so obviously i'm happy for you there it landed you a very very big role arguably if you weren't friends with him maybe things would have, wouldn't have connected the way they did but you were friends with him you managed to get the role you, you were there from the beginning which gives credibility to your name because you didn't just jump in when it was big you started from the beginning you started progressing career and becoming to this huge huge thing so once you were on board with mbot and you were doing development for them how were the early days like so um i think because i was obviously assisting at the time the first real real good drop was the um off-white mca and uh people running mbot was like I think it was like five people because it was all of the people in MTC, the little private FNF. So um, it was actually quite easy, very easy to do. Um, 
uh, it was quite a big cut because uh, ours was one of, at the time, ours was one of the only bots that worked on the website because back then people couldn't figure out their anti-bot protection. So um, it was quite nice to be able to cook privately. Well, I think I flexed the hitting with mbot originally, but yeah, it was um, quite easy uh, because it was literally a private bot between friends. Yeah, definitely. There is an aspect that you did play around with there. Obviously, with the lower user count and there's only a very, very small amount of you running, it does become easy. There's no competitiveness. And that is one of the downfalls of having a large user base. Everyone's using the bots. It takes very success from different people. But when you have a very, very small user base, like six people or five people, then it becomes very, very easy to cook these releases. When you are mbot and you were developing the bot, you obviously talked about the highs with cooking these releases and securing yourself loads of profit but how were the hurdles like developing itself there was the off-white dunk drop that bot that drop absolutely annoyed the hell out of me because originally like because the drop happened in a few stages so like usually on off-white drops it happens at eight o'clock and cyber had recently added uh, off-white to their um bot but this is was this was like their old site still so um on that drop at eight o'clock the site was completely dead. Nobody hit at all whatsoever. But um, uh, at the time, uh, uh, I got so much hate in um, the Discord. It was quite upsetting to see uh, this many people turn on me like this bot is a scam. Because at the time, we'd released the bot to users and people were paying for like They were paid users with the bot. Uh, there was actually, they actually ended up... Um, uh, at around I think one o'clock that day, they ended up increasing their protection some more. But Mbot had accounted for this already, so we actually hit that drop. The, the like the one o'clock restock, I'd say there was a like over. I think we hit over two hundred pairs total that day, which was quite a lot. But it was actually the main hurdle itself was uh, that. Users are unpredictable. They, they they can turn you really quickly, and then there was also the massive restock mess up. Uh, on the what's it called now? I believe it was seven thousand Discord users, and uh, I left the channels unlocked, and then people said racist stuff, and it was quite upsetting. And I, I was like, got hate on Twitter because of that, but. Developing Mbot itself, I don't think there were many issues. Maybe there might have been, um, uh, maybe it was uh, when Off White switched to their new website, we thought it would scale much better because Farfetch um, have a much like a massive uh, online presence. So I, assu- I assumed, I assumed that. Uh, it would scale much better because a bunch of more bots added it. But no, the site died again. Um, and the developers, I believe, they restricted purchasing to Portuguese IPs. So then I started seeing a bunch of checkouts come in from uh, Mbot. But I didn't know how people were copying. It turned out that the developers of the website had actually restricted um, to only portuguese ip yeah definitely i feel like with a user base it can turn you very quickly like i've had it when the bot restocks people tend to be very expressive with their opinion when it comes to this type of stuff and you know if you're in a position where you're creating revenue streams within the community or you have any type of following you are going to get hit it's just one of those things you need to just 
push on past it and obviously focus on the most important things, which is something that you did and also that attributes towards Mbot's success today. However, how has working for Mbot affected your personal life, both positive and negatively? Essentially, I don't really see effects because I never, I don't go to university. I um, failed my A-levels, which are like the UK, like 16 to 18. Uh, I don't know what you'd call it, but they're, they're grades you get in between 60, when you're 16 to 18. Um, maybe uh, that I never got a degree. It, maybe that's a negative, but I'm not really a social person, so... It doesn't really affect me much. And plus, with uh, the current unfortunate events with the coronavirus, I mean, it's not really, it's, uh, it's fine to be working on this, keeping my head busy, which is nice, rather than being bored all day, wondering what to do. So one thing I did want to extract from that, you talked about the fact that you didn't do so well in your A-levels, that didn't lead you to university. So financially... Uh, at the age you are right now with the road you have at MBA and all the income streams you are coming in, do you think you're in a good position? Would you say that you wish you did things differently or how is that like? I think right now I'm still unsure. I Maybe I should have done uni, maybe I should have um, tried and done my A-levels, but I don't think, I definitely think that I'm in a decent position itself as in like, I think I'm financially stable uh, even with the current virus um, going on, like it's nice to still have an income, especially when a lot of people are being like laid off, which is quite sad to see. Yeah, definitely. I feel like people in that community should be grateful. Like they're getting revenue streams, they're still able to make money. Like I know plenty of friends that we were still at college, there was no lockdown, and all of a sudden, snap of a finger, no income, lost their jobs, literally over a phone call and it kind of puts in perspective how lucky we all are, like if you're able to make good amount of income, and when I say good amount of income, income to where you can live and you're still bringing in money, then you should count yourself as lucky, whether it's a lot or a little because there's a lot of people out there that's not bringing all that money, however to end off today's episode what does Mbot have in store for the users in the future? Okay, so um, uh, we are we have transitioned to an AIO, so uh, we're probably looking at Supreme in the near future. But one of the big features I've been working on is like a unified way to access all of your orders and stuff through uh, maybe Mbot the app itself or a dashboard just to make reselling a little bit easier. Yeah, that sounds very exciting for the user Mbot. I know some of you guys that listen to this right now don't have a copy of Mbot. So that sounds very exciting. I know all the Mbot users are going to be anticipating that. However, before we end off today's episode and move on to the special event, I want all you guys to go down below in the description, check out Hassan and his social, check out Mbot, thank them for coming on to the episode. It was a really, really interesting one. I personally enjoyed it. And I know a lot of you guys right now don't have Mbot. We're going to help you with that. As promised, we'll be restocking Mbot within the episode. So after this clip, I'm just going to cut to our explanation. Please listen carefully to what I say. I'll reiterate a couple of times. You need to know how this restock is going to work. Then a restock countdown will occur and then the restock will take place. Good luck, guys. So, guys, for this restock, it is going to be very, very simple. All you guys want to do is wait till after the restock countdown that's going to happen after this clip and then go to the link that appears on the screen. You'll be entered into a splash page. If you are chosen, check out as quick as possible. Good luck, guys.